This podcast is a production of Athlete Plus, the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. Welcome back to another episode of the Art and Science of Developing Athletes. Very special guest here with us today, flew all the way in from Brazil. He's a research scientist, studies soccer primarily. He's currently a, a, a scientist at the Center for Research and Studies in Soccer at the University, the Federal University de Vecosa, uh, Israel Delio de Castro. An outstanding scientist, been uh, spending the day with him here in Gainesville, and uh, is putting on a demonstration. He put on a demonstration today for our soccer coaches on campus, the Gator soccer coaches, uh, on some software they're working on, some of the research and publications they've done around that. Today, we're going to talk about his work as a scientist and how he developed as a researcher studying soccer, and how it sounds like a really cool job for I think a lot of students here if they could study a sport and, and make a living on it out of it and also uh, talk about coaching education in Brazil and uh, how that might differ uh, from the U.S. model and many models around the world. Uh, so welcome today Israel glad you're here. Uh, start out by asking you just tell us a little bit about your education background experience in sports did you play soccer coach soccer other sports and your education, and then we'll get into a couple specifics around coaching. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Israel Teolo da Costa, and I'm from Brazil at the University of Vissosa. And uh, thanks, Mike, for your invitation. It's a pleasure to be here with you and this wonderful campus and this university. It's fabulous work that you do, her- do here. It's very interesting. Sorry, my English, if someone think it's strange, uh, but I, I'll try my best to explain. Um, I'm undergraduate in physical education in Brazil, and I did my master in sports psychology, and I did my PhD in University of Porto in Portugal uh, about sports science, and specifically in tactics in soccer. And um, the last uh, place that I, I went was Brunel University, London where I did a post-PhD in decision-making applied to, to soccer. Um, I was a soccer I was a soccer coach in Brazil uh, when I was younger, when I started my professional life. And uh, when I delivered some training sections, I had some doubts and I started to study more about athletes. And um, I went to the, the master and tried to understand better the mind of the athletes and how can improve my training sections. And uh, after uh, these doubts, I, I try to, to understand better how can I um, do better drills, better uh, exercise for the athletes improve. And uh, when I finished my PhD uh, about this topic, I went to the Federal University of Vissosa and started my work there. And I've been working with uh, Brazilian Soccer Confederation since 2004. 2004, um, and I started to work uh, with uh, South American Soccer Confederation uh, in 2017, and the last two years with FIFA. 
where we are concerned about how can we improve the mind of the athletes and how can we help athletes to make better decisions on the field. On the field, right. Uh, interesting. Excellent. Uh, thanks for sharing that. The, you have a textbook or a book, a research book uh, with Rutledge. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the name of the book and some of the topics that are there around the, the cognitive intelligence of particularly football, soccer? Yeah, we launched a book uh, this year with the hot ledge. Uh, the name is Football Intelligence. Uh, in this book, we bring some uh, ideas um, and how can we connect uh, different um, aspects of the training, of the assessment, and how can we improve uh, the performance on the field considering uh, the, the mind of the, the, the athletes. So in this book, we bring uh, some concepts about the principles, uh, tactical principles of the game. And we have four categories. And uh, when we linked these four categories, uh, we have an athlete more uh, creative, intelligent for soccer. What, what are the four categories? I have not. We, we, we learned a little bit about your book today when you gave a presentation to okay. the soccer program here on campus. but. Uh, I know it, it, when you talk tactical, I think our, our people listening to this would like to know, what do you mean by tactical? It's, it's, we understand technical coaching. You know, the X's and O's and is, is different than the, you know, touch on a ball and, and uh, striking a ball or receiving a ball, et cetera. But um, the tactical piece, I think, is, I get it. I don't think it goes far enough. I think it's actually not a strong enough word for what you're talking about. It's a, the level of intelligence that is very unique. It's very coachable, very trainable, and makes a big difference in the capacity of an elite app to reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we bring uh, the new concept uh, of uh, tactics. Um, it's it's uh, very interesting because uh, until 20, 2010, uh, we had uh, one organization of the concepts considered the tactics um, around the world. Because it was a literature, international literature. Um, it starts in 1920s and comes to uh, 2010. Um, but uh, the problem was uh, how can we assess this concept if we develop it uh, during training sections? And uh, we have uh, some concepts that merge one each other and it's impossible to assess. And uh, in this book, uh, we try to organize these concepts in four categories and uh, to put them um, in border, one each other, um, separated, uh, where we can uh, assess it. Uh, so uh, we have four categories for tactical principles of the game as general, operational principles, uh, fundamental principles or core principles, and specific principles. And uh, each content of these principles has an ideal age for you learn or teach, uh, for kids learn and we teach. Um, and if they learn this uh, contact, they can improve um, easily during their uh, youth development. And we can start to, to assess it and to realize that if our methodology is in correct way, with their development. Okay, interesting. You're uh, to, I, I get it, um, as far as coach education, we'll talk about it in a minute. Can we talk about 
student education for a minute. So at the university, you started this institute, the Center for um, Research and Studies in Soccer. So it like I said, really cool concept and would be awesome if we had more of that. United States, we talked to the soccer coach here on campus today, and she agreed that science is kind of the next generation of this sport in most every sport. I mean, we're going to be dealing a lot with AI and the role of science and analytics and developing athletes and developing coaches. But so if you, if a student went and studied uh, soccer studies to get a master, postgrad soccer master's degree type thing there, what kind of, what kind of education does that look like? And I assume you even have a PhD okay. like soccer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a undergraduate in physical education uh, in our university. And the, after that, uh, if the students want to go to the graduate, uh, they do uh, we call uh, soccer specialization or soccer post-graduation. Um, this course that we have in Brazil, it's the most famous. Uh, we have a lot of students that study with us. And then nowadays they work in the national teams or in the Premier League. And um, if they want, if they can go to or continue to study, they can go to master. And we have a research line in this area and a PhD as well. So uh, consider the coach educator uh, or education in Brazil. We have a CBF program. CBF is a Brazilian Soccer Confederation. Uh, we started this program in 2009, and uh, we have also some courses in South America Soccer Confederation, Comebol, and uh, where um, students or professional that works with soccer can give, can have more information about um, knowledge to use in their training sections or their career. Yeah? Okay. And then the... Uh, do you, you do a lot of work now with teams, the clubs, the coaches, how to develop their training programs, how to develop their own abilities to communicate with their players in a very specific manner based on their weaknesses. So I think you guys would call that consulting um, outside of the classroom. So when you get out into the field, you're working with, uh, you showed us a presentation today, I mean, 15, 20 clubs around the world or so that are working at least in the tactic cup software which we'll talk about in one minute but um what does that look like so if uh, your university would offer consulting to a coach team calls and they say we need coach development what what is those what are those engagements look like what type of activity happens do you bring them to the lab are you out in the field yeah um yeah we offer uh, a consulting for clubs or confederations um, or, or coaches if they want. Um, nowadays, we are uh, delivering some consultings for, I don't know, maybe 10 clubs at, the, at this moment. But uh, we have uh, maybe in our portfolio, maybe 40 or 50 clubs that we uh, worked with uh, to develop um, methodology. Our expertise area is develop methodology to help um, players to become more intelligent and more creative on the field. Um, and we worked with players who are far until professional, four years old until professional. So it's a range, it's a huge range that academies that we can work with uh, and different um, subjects that we can 
uh, help them to develop. Interesting. Okay. The uh, work you're doing that you showed, you're speaking to students here at the university about and um, the soccer program here, and then you're continuing on to, to, I think you're heading over to Tallahassee to Florida State to speak, and then over to the Institute over Pensacola to speak, to do some more research and share some of your data. So uh, pretty fascinating uh, uh, conversation we had today talking about Tactic Up specifically. So it's a piece of software, been in development for 15 years, at least there was science behind it. Uh, The company is working with 15, 20 programs around the world or even more, 15 countries, right? 15 countries, including the U.S. at some level. Uh, I know you're not on the sales side. You're on the science side trying to, and you've published many papers around the, the efficacy of assessing tactical intelligence, I call it maybe, like a social intelligence of the game, and then the ability to do pre-post testing around that intelligence and the, and the ability for a coach to develop practice you know, protocols and individual drills and individual coaching, group coaching, individual coaching to, to uh, mitigate weaknesses. Many other applications, I think, even like you said, I brought, you brought one up today. If a player is reaction times or times to read a, a, uh, a defensive um, formation or off the ball or, or close to the ball is slower than uh, uh, maybe another person that plays the same position. If you play an aggressive team, a fast team, you might want to play the other person in the starting role and put this. The, the slower player in a, in a substitution role. So lots of ways around strategy around the game, but let's not talk. That's really not the point of, it's one of the applications, one of the use cases of the software. Uh, if we could spend just a few minutes when we wrap up here, um, this conversation is this, con- it's actually, it shows very much how research, science, education, and practice can come together around a, a tool, this tactic up software. Um, to benefit both sides of science advances because we have data from real athletes and real coaches. And then obviously practice and coaches develop, like you mentioned, coaches track their career trajectory. They become more advanced, move up to the U20 and U23 faster because they have ability to know how to communicate, how to train in an individualized level rather than and we say mass communication, generic, general communication is much more precision to the ability to coach an athlete. So if you can uh, speak to Tactic Up specifically, because I think it's a good, like I said, it's just a good proxy of kind of what you guys are doing there at the Research Institute, even though it's spun off from the university now and it's a private sector and you're still their scientists. So what is Tactic Up? How would you describe it as a scientist, not as a, not as a salesperson? Like what yeah. does it mean to the football intelligence, the cognitive development of athletes? It's a very interesting question. And thank you. Um, TATCAP uh, was uh, introduced because one necessitated uh, some needs that the coaches have. Um, TATCAP comes to, to fill uh, a gap that we had uh, to know about how athletes understand the game, how athletes can read the game and uh, after read, how can they uh, make decisions? Um, it's important to say that um, TATCAP and uh, FUTSAT is a, another f- test that we have that apply on the field. They have the same theoretical framework uh, that, uh, as we talked about, um, is 
the tactical principles. I think it's the more strong concept or more strong value of the tactical is his theoretical framework is very uh, strong and they give us important information to use uh, in our methodology with athletes. And what's the, the best thing of the TATCAP that we can assess this very important component of the performance on the field in quick way, only 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and we have the results about how athletes read the game and make decisions. And we can prepare a training sections considering his uh, needs. And uh, we can um, move to um, one organization, a collective organization for an individual. Also collective organization, but with the focus on individual uh, improvements. So um, Tatkia helped us to solve it and give us this information. And um, when I'm uh, in a coach education course uh, and I tell to the coach and we have coaches that uh, already did the test with his athletes and they say oh, it was very good for me because now I can specify more my feedbacks, my interactions and the athletes is more motivated to do the drills because all the drills can improve them. They don't only exercise uh, the drills, but they can improve their understanding. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it's the best thing of the TATCAP is it. Uh, we can understand better one very important component of the performance on the field, and the coaches can improve their uh, training sections and help athletes to be more intelligent and creative on the field. Right. So it's like a... You said exercise would say practice in in the way in our vernacular, but um, so it's specific specified practice. And you're saying that you've seen you have research, you have several published papers that you've shared where you've seen motivation increase of athletes because they know. I mean, you mentioned earlier that the, the motivation of the athletes, so the desire to participate, to practice more deliberately, deliberate practice, is uh, is more apparent when the practice is specialized to some need it's more challenging to right so it's not boring it's not routine it's not like going through the motions because this is actually challenge it's hard this drill is hard and i'm going to do it i'm going to get better and i'll see myself get better and then i'll be more motivated to challenge myself and then obviously they do the pre-post testing and there's no way to cheat on these tests right i mean uh, you look at you look at a screen you see a sh- a game and you you see a player they circle the player they show the ball and then you have to demonstrate you have to um, indicate where the player should be playing the ball next or running next, what space they need to fill, et cetera. Um, so that is that the, that's basically what, that for the player, that's the benefit of their game is that, that they specialize their training and improve their game in a very unique way. Obviously, for the team, I get it. I mean, the team benefits a lot if more intelligent every player is. And they, you know, they fill space and then the team obviously is uh, more successful. In developing a game plan and executing a game, their coaches have because they have the capacity to execute that game. But at the individual level, is that accurate or inaccurate? Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing that uh, was worth telling you, you were telling, uh, and remember me uh, nowadays uh, in the first, uh, the, the best leagues, soccer leagues that we have around the world, the match requests, uh, the 
players make around 2,500 decisions. 2,500 per game. Wow. And we analyze some competitions in Brazil in this case, and some under 20 players uh, was were talking um, were mating uh, only a hundred a thousand and six hundred okay. decision so when they move to the professionals there is a gap between big gap between um, youth development and the professional and uh, we expected there is a new program of FIFA to develop soccer around the world and we expecting this uh, number of decision achieve 4,000 decisions wow. per match in 10 years. So what it's, what, what it's important because we need to improve our transactions considering this component. So in this case, Static Up is more appropriate and give a very good uh, assistance for we try to be more specific in the train sessions and to maximize our time with the athletes giving information that they need i got you so the efficiency is more effective and more efficient and the game's getting more complex you're saying four thousand and that's part of the fifa project you guys are working on is anticipating forecasting the future and the development of players to meet that future is obviously uh paramount last uh specific question then i'll just ask if there's anything else in general you'd like to share with american learners and students and listeners of our our show here but when you train for football intelligence, tactical intelligence. I could see the drills on the field. So you demonstrated today there's, there's different uh, trainings you could do, individual trainings, one-on-one, 2v2, 3v3, and you could change the ball based on their deficiencies in these 15 areas of with, you know, near the ball. You, you have a quadrant there, and based on where they're at, defensively, offensively, you can train. Are there any other ways to train football intelligence? I'm sure there are, but what are examples of other ways to train football intelligence without a ball, without the ball, not being on the pitch, not practicing? I would assume there are electronic means, I'm thinking video games, <laughs> uh, tra- obviously video sessions, you know, and working with video and, de- you know, breaking down game plans and wa- watching games, but what, what, I'm not at that level. Are there any ways an individual athlete can become more football intelligent off the pitch? Not really. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Uh, we have some research about it. The base of the decision is the quantity of knowledge that you have. You have. Um, so if you have a lot of knowledge, you have more chance. Knowledge is the foundation, right? Yeah. Um, so, but in case of the soccer, we have to apply this decision. So you can have the knowledge. Uh, we call the declarative knowledge, uh, but you have to practice. So what we what we uh, what we see in this in this research that we we did, uh, it's important. It's help, but in some uh, age we have to practice as well, and not just to understand the game or to to practice online games or something like this. But we have to practice because we have the motor component of the performance. So uh, they need to put it in practice. And we have a coach that understands it, that can uh, stimulate the motor and cognitive aspects of the game, especially in the first ages, between four years old, four years old, and 13 years old, when the cognitive aspects um, 
window, the developmental window is wide open then. That's it. And that's where most of that learning happens. So three categories of tactical principles it's is in that, are in that window in between this this range of age four and thirteen. And if we have a good development between four and thirteen, we will good uh, players between uh, or onwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. It's very important and very interesting that we can assess the players in the correct age, the correct content, for we have a more specific training and help them to develop better. Is there a correlation, I guess, to follow-up question? In that age, 4 to 13, what are some positive correlations to the foundations, you're saying, basic underlying knowledge of developing football intelligence? I assume playing, more time touching the ball, touches... Unstructured play versus structured play. Is there a correlation between watching matches and ability to translate that into motor skill development in those developmental windows? Or is, uh, is it basically just play? I'm assuming there's some studies of structured, unstructured. Yeah, yeah. Right. Free play versus adult supervised play, you know, where there's a lot of debate in, in, in soccer. In Brazil, it's very different. A lot more unstructured free play. So. You know, it's a very interesting question because uh, we finished a research a few, few weeks ago uh, where we see, we assess, I, I don't remember, maybe 800 athletes. Um, and what we, we saw in this, in this research, uh, in the end of the development uh, pathway, uh, they have the same, the same knowledge if they uh, participate uh, in the correct uh, structure to develop them. But it's very interesting. Uh, the athletes that played an un- un- unstructured yeah, so free play, uh, street games, futsal, that's it. Playground, ball, yeah. Especially until 13 okay. years old, they are more quick to decision, ah, to make decisions. make faster decisions. Yeah, the speed of the decision is better than the other. Uh, athletes that only participate on structure um, activities. It's very interesting. Uh, I think it's because the different uh, stimulus that we have doing this kind of uh, activities. Yeah? And we have uh, neuronal aspects that we stimulus in this case. And there is a, there's a correlation probably to creativity downstream or no? Yeah. I know for reaction time makes sense, but probably the unstructured play learners obviously are quicker, as effective and maybe even more creative. More creative. Yeah, yes, more creative in their ball yeah. skills and touch. And- yeah, just because you have in our neuronal uh, network uh, more possibilities to solve one problem. So if you have more stimulus during your um, early ages, mm-hmm. you can assess later mm-hmm. when you have to solve a complex problem that the, the game brings. Just like any other learning in a complex, and it's a very complex, you said 2,500. Um, and co- it's just a complex system, soccer. There's many ways to get the ball in the goal, many ways to keep it out of your own goal, and there's no one way to, you know, some, many sports, some other sports are very more structured, less decisions, more coach-dominated strategy, and you have fewer substitutions in soccer. You know, there's, there's no timeouts, you know, like, I mean, you're playing the game nonstop, so there's just, there's a lot to... Uh, such a complex system, so it's very relevant here. And we can learn, maybe transfer some of that knowledge to these other sports that are maybe less 
uh, organic and more structured and more more uh, likely to be coach dominated strategy and tactics in soccer. I know you have to. I mean, they can have a game plan, but in the end, the players have to execute this plan as a group of eleven guys. Um, and you said mostly guys. I assume most of your research right now is on men, male players. No, there's not a lot of science on the women's side. Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah, yeah. Both. We have it. Both. both. Yeah. Okay, good. We have both. Good to hear. Interesting. Those are some interesting. Uh, it's interesting to, to say that the that the, the first age ages the the main uh, role of the coaches uh, teach the game, teach how athletes have to un, uh, understand the game, and it's a cognitive aspect. So uh, we don't have, oh, we didn't have uh, tools to assess it. Now we have. Now you have. So when we talk about the it's it's structural. Uh, activities and unstructural activities and we talk about the coach interferes more time uh, and we don't know if how what he's talk about because if he don't know the needs of the players maybe he's talking um, incorrectly yeah incorrectly so but if you have the data if you know that this athlete did something and another another thing and I give the feedback specific for his improvement. It's good. And I think when we have it, uh, we can maybe change some results of unstructural activity and structural activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more or less make an analogy with a physical development. Uh, if we don't have the tools of the physical development, what we can do? Uh, but we have uh, information. We just give uh, stimulus in the correct way. So for cognitive aspects, it's the same, but it's more important because since the years, uh, early age, we have to improve it. We have to give correct stimulus. So especially in this country, I know, and even in Brazil is beginning the more structured. I mean, you have a scientific institute, university devoted to it, and become more structured. In the U.S., very parent-centered. Youth sports is not unstructured as much, especially soccer. There's not that many fields. Kids don't play in the street as much. Basketball used to be more unstructured here. Even that's become very structured, very commercialized, to be honest. You know? So we've lost a lot of that creativity in American sport pathways, development pathways. Brazilians were always the most creative soccer players in the world right? for many years, uh, for, I mean, decades, the most creative. So it is interesting now that you said, I love that. We'll close with that, though. You're saying we used to have, we used to, it was more experiential data, anecdotal data, just intuition even. And now you have science through programs like Tactic Up and some of the other programs that you can demonstrate that at four years old to six years old, if this is not, if this is missing, this might, this will happen. If this is present, this will happen. And you can, you know, follow it longitudinally against, against an athlete, create the interventions at the right time, at the right using the right mode, at the right intensity, the right frequency. And I think you're right that the main thing that was missing was the science all those years. So it was a lot of debate in sports psychology and sports scientists saying unstructured, you know, early specialization, late specialization, um, deliberate practice or free play, unstructured free play. And now I think we're going to be able to answer those questions is what you're saying. With institutions like yours, you're able to scale this knowledge because you have enough data enough uh, geographic variety in your data. You have one sport, but it's a great start. And a lot of that knowledge will transfer to every other sport that's uh, very similar to soccer. And there are many team sports that are. So 
Um, any, any closing thoughts around if you had to talk to coaches in the U.S., uh, I mean, what kind of insights would you share? And obviously, we'll post a link to your institution. Maybe some coaches out there want to consult and get learn more and bring you into their uh, ecosystem to help them develop their coaches because it is a fascinating uh, development, I'd say, that is long overdue where the researchers, the scientists work collaboratively with the practitioners, in this case, the coaches and the trainers, potentially even strength conditioning, physical trainers, physios, uh, to, to develop an athlete across the lifespan of their, their potential, right? It starts at four years old or something, maybe even earlier in some sports. So if you, uh, any closing thoughts for us, for our coaches on uh, the future of coaching? Yeah. Um, for the, I think that uh, coach needs to, needs to understand that there are a lot of knowledge now that help them, help them to improve their training sections. And uh, as I said, uh, or they can uh, find it on internet, uh, FIFA starts a program to help uh, develop better soccer around the world. And uh, they are focused, uh, or we are focused, because I'm part of the team, uh, how can we improve uh, players to, to play better? But in this case, considering the cognitive aspects and the tactical aspects are how players make decisions. So I would like to, to say uh, who are uh, hurting us, uh, that they are not alone. We are together mm -hmm. because we are trying to improve the same sport. We are trying to improve our abilities to, to make a better soccer around the world. So uh, we, are, we have a lot of tools. Uh, we are, these tools are available to use. And uh, if you allow me, uh, I invite you, the people who are uh, listening to us, uh, to go to the website, www.nucleofootball.ufv. Mm -hmm. uh, Dot br yeah, which we'll post there in the notes yeah thank you and uh, www.tatkup.com okay. and uh, try to see more information about it uh, in our website of center of research in studies we have a lot of papers we have a lot of tools we have a lot of information about it transactions and uh, tools uh, that they can use by free mm -hmm. um, the South America uh, Soccer Confederation has curses that they do about it. Uh, Brazilian Soccer Confederation as well, they have uh, curses. And uh, I, I would like to pass the idea uh, to, to that you understand that we can go together and to make better soccer, better uh, sport for all of us. Mm. Because uh, the athletes at this moment... Um, they will stimulate to make decisions and uh, a lot of countries around the world are working this way and uh, USA and Brasilia and Brazil um, we can walk together yeah collaborate and, uh, on in this. collaboration yeah, not, not compete with this knowledge because really like I said the, the reason you guys have scaled some of this and able to publish because you have access to athletes and a lot of times that's considered proprietary. You know, they don't want to give away secrets and work with industry with practitioners, with the academics and share their athletes' development across both. You know, there's an overlap there of both Venn diagrams. 
that where that's where the magic's going to happen. That's where the new knowledge and that's where it's going to scale, right? I mean, we've known some of this individually here and there, some clubs, but when you're doing research at a public institution, it's open source. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. It's for the common good. And uh, so that's good advice for coaches to be open to uh, using science, using research, using evidence, and even opting in, I think is what we see. We get a lot of resistance here is opting in to allow their athletes to be part of the solution for the next generation in their own game, but obviously for the next generation because the more we know how to train a four-year-old, the better this game will be. Like you said, that, 20, that FIFA goal, that project is 2030? 2030. 2030. Yeah. So I mean, they're already looking forward that far into the development of this game in the next eight years. So impressive uh, insights, and you guys are on the front end of this. Trailblazers yeah. in this space. So. If we expect or if you achieve the number that we expected, of decision in a, in a game that I said for mm -hmm. for thousand, mm -hmm. and today we have uh, only two thousand and and five hundred. Uh, we need more specific training, and we need to 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 give more information. And uh, the cognitive aspects uh, is very important. And we have to realize that uh, the new generation is different than the generation that we have, and we train them, and the the brain of them. Uh, works differently of us. That's true. So yeah, we have to digital native. And, yeah. yeah. So we have this information, and uh, we we think that we go uh, in the correct way to to help to soccer uh, be better, better across uh, the, the world. Future. Yeah, not just so. for competitive advantage for the good of the game, <laughs> enjoyment of the game. So that's interesting. You're saying actually developing the game because the game needs to be developed. Four thousand decisions make the game a better product better experience for fans and for right. athletes yeah, for everyone it. yeah that's an interesting concept very interesting all right and very integrated so appreciate that thanks for stopping by today we we'll, we appreciate your insights and look forward to your lectures here to our uh, our tactical strength conditioning class tomorrow but thanks for stopping by the show and give us some of your insights and we'll definitely post all that one interested in following up so thanks professor Costa, uh, and uh, look forward to working, uh, seeing you again soon. Maybe in Brazil next. Oh, I, I hope so. Um, sorry uh, for my English. It was good. My mistakes no, in grammatically or yeah. words, uh, but I think the idea uh, is is here. And man, uh, thanks for your invitation. It was a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm available for next. Uh, Continue to collaborate. Let's do it again. All right. Well, thanks again. And well, until next time, thanks for uh, listening to Art and Science of Developing Ethics.